Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Giblets? It's the one, the only, Brian Rails. Who the fuck else? And I got a lot of wrestling to report tonight, so I think, <laughs> I know. I I watched Monday Night Raw, I'm pretty sure. And it was fairly interesting, to say the least. You know, it wasn't terrible. And what do I mean by it? It just wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, I hate this show. I can't believe Vince and Creative did this, yada, yada. You've heard the bullshit, okay? Now, I've ranted before, and I will, you know, kind of, you know, actually, yes, I will be on the rant, but just basically giving the lowdown on what I thought of Hell in a Cell, what I think of AEW being on TBS and TNT. I mean, come on, folks. Tonight, Tyson Fury was involved in tonight's Monday Night Raw, and they did have a non-title match, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the new Women's Tag Team Champions, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. And... um I think that a lot of people were saying, I'm going to cancel the network, I'm going to cancel the network. But, you know, there are reasons for the fans doing that. So, to start off the show, folks, you know, there's just a lot of things that are going on. You know, Natalia, or actually Lana and Lashley in a bedroom. You can clearly see that this is fun stuff. You know, it's not PG anymore. So, okay. You want to look at the uh, the match results. So Natalia, I gotta say, for the second last woman standing match in WWE history, I mean these ladies put on a hell of a clinic on how you start off a show. You know with a match, Natalia kept getting knocked down even with kendo stick. She was even put in a chair trapped with a kendo stick, but Natalia just wouldn't quit. She just fucking would not quit. And so I gotta say, folks. I'm multitasking watching the ALDS series between the Yankees and the Twins, but I'm going to report wrestling for now. The Viking Raiders beat Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode in a non-title match. So these things are non-title, but just test the waters, I guess. Aleister Black beat the Singh brothers. Okay, they answered his call. (laughs) What a joke. Rey Mysterio, and I'll elaborate a little bit. Alistair Black hasn't been in action for quite some time, possibly maybe because he needed time off. I don't know what the fucking deal was. I just know that he kicked ass. Rey Mysterio had a backstage promo. Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, Kane Velasquez was the godfather of his child. Did not know that. Uh, it was basically a promo pitting himself against, you know, Lesnar. Lesnar picked on him. So he found a bigger person to kick Lesnar's ass to sum it all up. Okay. 
Authors of Pain vignette, boring as fuck, in my opinion. Uh, the OC, why was it boring? It's in Abba Jabba. No, that's not the reason. It, it just, they they bored me to fucking tears in, in NXT. They really did. They're big guys. They, they're supposedly supposed to be the replacements for the Legion of Doom. Just like, oh, I don't know. The Ascension. Anyways, we've heard the spiel before by a lot of folks. The OC... Beat the Lucha House Party, uh, the Kabuki Warriors, beat uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair because, you know, Asuka's pulling the Tajiri or Great Muda. I think it's great heel aspect for Asuka and Kyrie Sane. You wanted folks, you wanted something, you wanted them to do something, so here it is. Here's Asuka. Not to be mean, but you know, she did have a very huge undefeated streak in NXT, and it's about damn time they did something with her pointing her in some form of direction. Okay, Ricochet beat Apollo Crews. Boy, that was just a hard match to watch, and not in a good way. It was, oh, it was hard to watch because I wanted one or the other to win. Ricochet ends up getting the win from the recoil because the crowd was not so into it. Rollins versus The Fiend was referred to, blah, 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 in the backstage. And then, you know, you saw Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman at the end basically going at each other like two dogs going after a fucking bone. So, I must tell you, some parts of Monday Night Raw were very, very decent. And some parts of it, you know, were very... mm, in a word, in a few words and phrase, let's see here. Lackluster, because okay, the whole Lashley Lana thing. Well, I think they're actually going to follow through after that stupid one night in Milwaukee segment a long time ago with Aiden English and Lana, because they were not, you know, going cutting edge. AEW was not quite out yet, and I feel that the ebb and flow of Monday Night Raw wasn't terrible. It's kind of like Hell in a Cell. Which, <laughs> Lord, um, sometimes Hell in a Cell is going to you know, win over people by some matches, and some matches will basically be the bitter end, if you will, no pun intended, for WWE as far as show quality goes. I'm going to start from top to bottom because I figure that's you know where most of us critics or cynics are whatever you want to call us, podcast hosts, broadcast journalists, people who have nothing better to do than bitch and gripe and think our lives are over because of one match. But I'm going to dive into the way, you know, best way I know how. And I just want to say uh, I've been listening to Danny Cage's, his show on Podbean. If you haven't listened to his show, man, it's a half hour and it's fucking worth it. So listen to his show. Also, you know, just a Fair warning, you're going to have a mini advertisement here in just a second. For those of you listening to Russell Radio Network, be sure you also check out Danny Cage's podcast on Podbean and listen to his half hour of very good insight, man. Even though it's, you know, 26 minutes or 27 minutes, it's close to half hour, you know, whatever. He has some very good insight about The Fiend and what he thought. And also, you know, some other things that he mentioned that you can check out. Also, in the links to his podcast or the app Podbean, download it. It's completely free. 
You can catch his link on Facebook from his page, the Danny or the Danny Cage, on Facebook.com. He also links it through Twitter. So go to Monster Factory www.monsterfactory.org and invest in yourself today by becoming one of Danny Cage's students. You can learn. Always keep constantly learning by investing in yourself. Do not email the office. There's a phone number that is located directly on the website on monsterfactory.org. Monster Factory, the world-famous Monster Factory, is located in Paulsboro, New Jersey. Be sure that you catch the events on Saturdays. You know, Monster Factory is where the bro himself, Matt Riddle, came from, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, Seamus, The Godfather, D'Lo Brown, you name it, man. A lot of people came from the Monster Factory Mosh and Thrasher, the Headbanger, Sonny, Chris Candido, King Kong Bundy, Pretty Boy Larry Sharp. The list goes on, folks. You want to train to become a professional wrestler? You know, there's wrestling schools all over the country. But which schools can compare to the world-famous Monster Factory, I ask of you? Now, some of you may pipe up and say, but you know what? Point is, invest in yourself and join the world-famous Monster Factory. Now, I go in order because it kind of, we kind of, my friend and I kind of watched it late, you know, over the phone. You know, Lady Lynn, she's sitting out tonight because she had some things she had to take care of on a personal note, nothing to do with her being let go or released. She is just uh, taking a breather, trying to uh, get things in order. And she will be back with us next week for a review on Monday Night Raw and various other things. And also AEW is going to come into the mix, you know. So, let's see here. What's next on tap for Wrestle Radio Network? There will be showtime changes starting tomorrow instead of your 630 Five, you know, 6.30 Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central. We are going to be staring down the barrel mm, around 9.30 p.m., going a little old school here. Oh, and uh, Wednesdays, uh, you know what? I'm debating on whether Wednesdays is a good time. Uh, take this back, folks. Let's try for Thursdays because Off the Rails Uncensored needs a new day, right? So Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, we'll try it just for the week. No, no. <laughs> Times will be adjusted for guests. So it is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I love doing this. I love doing this. Eleven or 12.30 Eastern. 11.30 Central, so, you know, just win, baby. So the kickoff match at Helena, so let's get this party started, shall we? 2019, it's a, it was in Sacramento, California, sold-out crowd. Natalia beat Lacey Evans via pinfall. Becky Lynch, the very first match to kick off the Helena Cell 2019 shindig. Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks, I mean, that match went. All over the place, there were tables, there were kendo sticks, there were chairs, there were even ladders. Oh, my. But in the end, Becky Lynch beat Sasha. Daniel and Roman Reigns defeat Rowan and Harper. Randy Orton defeat 
Ali, or the Kabuki Warriors beat Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross and won the Tag Team Championships. So the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman, yeah, they, <laughs> I mean, to say the least, I'm not going to play this one. The world's wrong with this advertisement. Okay, no, sorry, Forbes. <laughs> this is how we do it. Becky Lynch defeats Sasha. Sasha looks like she's super pissed off. Oh, well. Um, it was very good back and forth, I'll give it that. Daniel Bryan and Roman actually hug it out. And, of course, my results kick me off of Forbes.com. Maybe you should just stick to UCBS because <laughs> you're easier to read from. So it was a very back and forth match. Then that match should have been a hell in a cell. I think that's the theme of the pay-per-view, right? Uh, Randy Orton beat Ali. That was the okay match. Not really. I mean, Randy's, the last tidbit of it was great. Okay, why is there so many? Okay, the Kabuki Warriors beat Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss in dirty fashion. Asuka channeling her, you know, inner Muda and also Tajiri. It was all right. It was a great message to send the fans. So, um, AJ Styles and the OC lose to the Viking Raiders and uh, and Braun Strowman. AJ Styles gets knocked the hell out. Let's just say knocked the fuck out by Braun Strowman in the right hand. Chad Gable beat Boren Corbin. Thank God. And Charlotte beats Bailey and becomes 10-time tag team champions. Or 10-time women's champions. So, the final match, which gets the attention of many people. Why? Because... Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend, loses, you know, in a fashion that's so odd. I never in a million years thought there would be a DQ inside Hell in a Cell. But I guess, you know, I think wrong because... Here's the deal, folks. I I just want to point out that during this match, there's a lot of holy fuck moments. And what holy fuck moments exactly were there? Uh, Seth Rollins taking a steel chair, taking that big-ass mallet that Bray Wyatt had, or a sledgehammer, and just knocking the chair into Bray Wyatt's face, which obviously that mask has a lot of uh, padding on it, or Bray Wyatt's just one sick fucker. And I... I just want to point out, there seems to be a lot of questions about the ending of the match. And I listened, and I said, I listened to Danny Cage's podcast on Podbean. And I must say, he brings up some valid points about the match and, you know, how what message, you know, they they were trying to, with the feel, the emotion of the match, you know, maybe it was a theme thing that was supposed to be in hell and Seth was out of his element. I know I'm probably going to have to listen to the podcast and get word for word verbatim to quote Danny Cage. But, you know, here's my take on it. And I'm sure other and other fans share similar sentiment towards... um how 
we feel about Bray Wyatt and his ability to draw the fans in and to make fans talk about what happened at Hell in a Cell. I agree with Danny in the sense that it gave us some issue or subject to talk about, some subject matter that is. Um, however, if the scene would have won, you would have had a lot of happy fans. Happy fans as in, you know, they paid their money to sit in the seats. And they also, you know, you pay nine ninety nine a month. It's not much. Just to be entertained. And I was entertained tonight with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. However, I just, my question mark is, you know, why would you, why would you do this? I mean, The Fiend should have won at Hell in a Cell. Should have, would have, could have, but he didn't. Seth Rollins comes out on top to make him look all the more like, you know, he wasn't scared, you know, scared, but he fought a battle and he, he somehow lost that match by DQ because they had to call. That match pulled a lot of strings in the wrong kind of way. This is, you know, this is the point where you wonder to yourself as a fan, how many times do you build a character up and then you you just tear him down? You just you just automatically assume that oh the fans are going to be talking about. It. Well, that's, you know, that's one good thing you did. You gave us some subject matter for a zillion podcasts to mark the fuck out and be mad and say, I'm not going to watch WWE. Well, that's a bold-faced fucking lie. We all know it. Um, normally, I go off into a tirade right off, right out the gate. But now, I'm just going to point some parallels here you know, with Bray Wyatt and his past and bring it to the front because <laughs> because I can. And this is not the, oh, well, look at here, look at the... No. I'm just going to point out some similarities between Bray Wyatt's past opponents and having the WWE build him up to this point, you know, give a type of uh, euphoric feeling for Bray in the sense that he's something different. He's a different kind of beast. He, you know, he left something funny on Twitter where there's a gif where it says, gee, you know, what do you want from me? I don't know. I just work here type thing. And I fucking love that about him because he's got he, – you got to give him this much credit. For the amount of people bitching and complaining, I'm going to destroy you know, my WWE Network subscription. You're a bunch of fucking liars. Some of you are. And two, I'm just going to give some random shout-outs. What's up, UK? What's up, United States of America? What's up, Canada, Latvia, Indonesia, Tokyo, Japan, Italy? All the people who listen to my fucking madness. I love you all. And I'm only 19 minutes in for the whole rest of the hour. That's back down live. I did sit down and watch the Hulu replay. So, you know, The Rock, you know, come back to, you know, revamp all the advertisement, you know, that was going on about back down live being on Fox and shit being more edgier as far as content goes, because, well, the word testicles and Becky using them in a sentence, you know, I don't see the problem in it. I really don't see the problems in The Rock, you know, mentioning the word testicles. And I really don't see any problem in Becky reinforcing the word in a sentence. I mean, there's no shame in it when you're making the board and Corbin. And not just that. 
you know, the network executives noticed the change and some of you may think, but the ratings on according to this website, well, <clears throat> the ratings, let me read something for you. These are, are strictly, you know, ratings that make me smile because according to this, the debut of Friday Night Smackdown on Fox scored 3,999,000 viewers across Fox. Fox four days and streaming platforms. On Fox, the telecast tallied 3,888,000 viewers, the most watched WWE telecast in almost two years versus Raw's 25th anniversary, January 2018. Audience peaked from 8, 8 o'clock to 8.15 p.m. with 4,217,000 viewers on Fox. Fox projects to be number one broadcast network in primetime in coveted A18 to 40 or age 18 through 49, and that's the demographics. Up 85% over SmackDown's average over the last four weeks versus 2,098,000 viewers. That was its average, folks. So I'm not, you know, just going to put the lid on AEW just yet, but <laughs> I'm going to say this. Um, it's a lot of people who are wrestling fans. This is an appreciation type thing. Um, you know, I'm glad AEW is around because without them, you would not have WWE kicking things into gear. So to speak, I don't know if they are, uh, based off Hell in a Cell. I really can't base judgment off that because they still have Survivor Series in 2019. And to follow that, Royal Rumble in Houston, which yours truly and Lady Lynn will be in attendance for in 2020. It's very exciting. It's Lady Lynn's very first major pay-per-view. So, you know, just, you know, going to throw that out there. We and a zillion other podcasts that mark out over pay-per-views and have fun, you know, and eat barbecue and just have a grand old time and tour the city of Houston for me twice and for her, her first. So, that's, you know, one announcement side that, you know, side this cynical negativity that I have uh, projected sometimes. Ooh, it's nice to take a break, folks. Just a little bit, you know, to segue from the talk about Hell in a Cell and the Fiend and Bray Wyatt and whatnot. And I'm glad Blog Talk is back in order. Thank God you guys, you know, some of you may have forgotten to get the bubbly or, you know, get on the, get on the right side of the tracks. I don't know what's wrong with this, you know, platform or not, but, you know, main thing is, back on air and kicking ass, just win, baby, Yanks just won, so Raiders win, Yankees win, we all win, and Granny's happy about that, so, anyhow, if Granny Holster, you know, love her to pieces, hi, Granny, hello, how are you, you know, I think we found her, you know, we found her new favorite teams. You know, she loves the Kabuki Warriors. She loves Bliss and Cross. Of course, you know that Granny loves the Yankees because she's celebrating their victory tonight. And she loves the Raiders. Just saying, because Granny, you know, she messages me quite often thinking about jumping ship, and I think she finally did. Anyways, <clears throat> moving forward, folks, moving forward. I believe there is such a thing as taking a look at Hell in a Cell and saying to ourselves, eh, okay, you know, some, sometimes it feels good to say eh when it comes to watching wrestling, but then again, the pay-per-view in November is coming up, and all I have to tell you is, holy fuck, 
I cannot wait to see what AEW has to present. And also, some people are saying, well, WWE, they give them a chance because it's the only thing their kids watch. Folks, there's other wrestling out there. And Hell in a Cell can't just prompt you to be like, well, I guess I'll try this AEW thing. Come on, man. As a part of a show, you're going to email questions, you can still, you know, message questions into wrestle underscore radio that will be changing the name if the character is allowed on Instagram, good Lord. If Twitter went to unlimited characters, you should do just saying. Anyways, as I continue my random ramblings, you must understand after watching Hell in a Cell, what do I think? What do I think? Oh, well, you know, if they're trying the tandem of Graves and Cole, I don't think that tandem quite works. But if you were to try to reverse roles in this universe, you know, the king kind of just sticks out like a sore thumb with Vic Joseph. If you were to give Vic Joseph some direction, the kid's got a, a prayer. He's no more Ronello though, or Shivani, or Ross. But He's trying. Got to give him props for that. And King's kind of out of it because he hasn't been on, you know, the production for Monday Night Raw, nor a pay-per-view, and they kind of just threw him into the fire. So, you know, the commentary team was kind of out of whack for me, just listening to the big dude who I have no clue who he is. Maybe I have to look into my archives or NXT, but new or man. I would much rather have Corey Graves, Byron Saxon, and Tom Phillips than the announced team that we had, you know, commentating on, on Hell in a Cell. Simply because, okay, you're calling the match, you're having King call a match with Fiend and Seth Rollins. There's high pitch, ah! and oh my gosh, you know, that invokes emotion. Yes! But it's, I, I got to say it, man. There's one element missing from WWE right now. And in this Monday night, or no, in these Wednesday night wars, Jim Ross, the the uh, the voice basically of the Monday night wars back in the day, and also Tony Schiavone saying that Excalibur uh, could do without and I just want to point that out there. He's not he's not as grandiose as people make him be, so no. He's a chunk. That's kind of like Larry Zabisco back in the day, you know, in WCW with Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay. So, you know, the four legendary announcers from the Monday Night Wars and WCW. Speaking of AEW, I'm, you know, since I'm writing it solo tonight, I just thought, you know, since I haven't been doing it in quite some time, it's been a week since you've heard the Magnificent Screams, because it's close to how we know, because, ladies and gentlemen, this is the point in the show where if you have small children or any minors that are unsuited for, you know, not suited for listening to the content of off the rails, uncensored. I suggest they leave the room or you put 
headphones on them and not listen to this show. I guarantee you if they repeat this to their principal, they will be expelled from the language. Explicit language that is used in the content of this show is not to be repeated further outside. Also, Off the Rails is a trademark show. Off the Rails Uncensored, that is. is a trademark show that was coined in of March 7, 2016 and has been since running ever since then. Any further usage, reproduction, unwanted unwanted reproduction in the name or likeness thereof of Off the Rails Uncensored, you will be sued henceforth in small claims court for a fine each time you use it of $45. So each time you use the words Off the Rails or Off the Rails Uncensored, you will be sued. And that's the semantics out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, allow yourselves to be introduced or, well, enter at your own risk inside my head because you never know what you'll get. I might be pleasant. I might be – you know what? Just fucking – I do not own the rights to the track Glasgow Cross. Nikki Cross, the same CFO, all rights reserved, WWE 2019 Incorporated. That's all she wrote, folks. I'm not done with my show, so – Buckle up, fuckers. You're about to get inside my own head. Dig it. Husky Harris, I guess, I don't know. 
2010, he joined NXT under the name Husky Harris with Cody Rhodes as WWE Pro. So he attacked Montavious, Long Florida, whatever. Let's fast forward, shall we? So Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is disguised as Husky Harris. So, and McGillicuddy, you know, so his big break-in, blah, 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 returned to SCW 2011-2012. Axel Mulligan was his next, you know, fucking gimmick. I know this is horrible, but, you know, i got to go back to the roots so before I can get, you know, <sighs> okay, so fast forward in 2012, Bray Wyatt, Eli Cottonwood, SCW, the NXT Wrestling Wyatt debuted on July 11th episode, the reboot NXT tape at Full Sail University, defeated Aiden English. So he's had a few injuries, folks, and he's been through a lot. Uh, Wyatt had his first match from injury back on February 21st, 2013, on an episode of NXT. On May 8th, episode of NXT, Harper and Rowan defeated Adrian Neville and Oliver Gray to win the NXT Tag Team Championships. Whatever happened to Oliver Gray? Hmm, okay. NXT Championship being eliminated by Neville. Blah, 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 blah. So, the Wyatt family... They were, you know, they were pretty dominant. Says, attempted to recruit Daniel Bryan in 2013, you know. Um, so anyone after John Cena, and this is what I mean. So WrestleMania in April 2014, which I was a part of being close. I sat in the crowd and I watched. I can just tell you that WrestleMania was a mixed bag. And it really, okay, so if we're talking about Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. The Fiend, started with John Cena in WrestleMania 30. Has it been good and bad, you know, the relationship between Bray and John? I don't know. I don't know what those two talk about. For all I know, they could talk about, you know, their fantasy football teams, and I wouldn't fucking know. From what I gather, this is what I'm trying to tell you earlier. The parallels. Uh, Bray Wyatt not making it where he's supposed to. And the one time he did, there's actually two. So if people complain, you forget. Once with Randy Orton, once with John Cena. Did it hinder his career? No, because look, he became champion both times. It's just his title reigns. They really, I don't know, that after the fact, after that he had won those championships from Orton and Cena. China just, there's a stalemate and they really, they, the powers that be did not know what to do with Bray Wyatt, in my opinion. So you fast forward is you know his rivalry with the Undertaker and the Undertaker and him at WrestleMania 31. I honestly don't know what to say. That should have been passing of the torch. It should have been this. It should have been that. Bray Wyatt has faced a lot of big names in his career, and some attribute to that well. He's just a great worker, and, and, you know, and he's, look, man, I don't know, because the man is beyond the level of sick when it comes to last night at Hell in a Cell, and he's had a lot, he's had a storied history, so him and 
WrestleMania 30 in 2014, and then again at uh, WrestleMania 31. It was so strange. So, dude, he's he's had a historic run in WWE. Is his run over? I don't know, and I just think it's could it be possible that Bray Wyatt, you know, at 2000, yeah, at TLC. Tables, Lads, and Chairs, they, they beat Team ECW in an eight-man tag eliminations match. And that's fine. They put they put him in a lot of odd situations, like the new Wyatt family with uh, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, and Luke Harper, and then Randy Orton turns on Bray and burns Bray Wyatt's supposed, you know, mansion to the ground or whatever house, whatever. I just, there's a lot of odd things about Bray Wyatt's career that stand out to me, like the fact that he feuded with John Cena, no. The fact that he feuded with Taker and it really went nowhere because Taker has had, so, you know, he's had hip surgeries and he's had a lot of surgeries to date, so... It's just, it's all over the fucking place. His career, I'll just say it, has been all over the place. There's really no pinpoint where you can say, man, Bray Wyatt was really dominant here. He was really dominant here. So, therefore, you know, we should push him. I'm not in charge of that, dude. All I'm trying to tell you is I'm really glad that he got an opportunity for a WWE championship. But I'm not happy at the result because I feel that if you build someone for almost two months, of him playing mind games and mind fucking Seth Rollins, that there should be, so there should be a form of payoff. Like if you win the Royal Rumble, for example, like Shawn Michaels did in '95 and '96, totally different superstar, totally different scenario, but it's the same. It's a conundrum with Bray Wyatt's career. You build him up to be this monster, and then the same fucking thing. With Cena, with, well, yeah, with Undertaker, you know, when he was playing mind games with him and doing the best he could to gimmick, you know, what he was trying to portray to the fans. Yes, I get the fact that some people will be under the impression that it gave the fans something to talk about, but it's a negative connotation. It's a negative feel to it because now you just told, you're giving the fans, you're teasing the Fiend and, and Seth's feud and you're building more upon it, how? You know, with Seth's been champion multiple times, he's had opportunities, worked his ass off, and there's nothing wrong with working hard for what you earn and what you get, but I'm going to use the analogy like this. If a team like the New England Patriots are labeled as, you know, the, the uh, dynasty, the team that has six championships, some of those championships are tainted, and some of them, you know, they they actually, I don't know if that was, they actually earned. But the thing is, nobody, you know, wants the same thing over and over again. So, in other words, what I'm trying to portray, or like project to you guys is the same flavor of ice cream. Some people like routine, some people don't. I like to be under the impression that, there can be a champion that looks all kinds of fucked up and wrong. Is like I, I'm wondering what the thought process is. 
is it because Bray Wyatt does not embody what a champion is supposed to look like? Is he not a well, obviously, the, the obvious answer is that, well, he's creepy, blah, blah, blah. He had the Firefly Funhouse, which was a genius fucking gimmick. Uh, so you build him up to be this strong guy. And Seth Rollins is like the pretty boy, clean cut, you know, I'm a badass, dude. Like, what the... My question to someone who decided to, you know, have the results the way they were... I'm not so concerned about who goes over, but actually, at this point in juncture, you've got AEW. It was going to be on TNT, and you got them also, you know, they're not going to be. They are on TNT, and they will be on TBS fairly soon. You don't think that the competition is kind of laughing right now? As I pause to sneeze my lungs out, here's what I'm going to tell you. It's probably in the best interest to, I guess, just keep watching, right? Well, I'm going to do some research on, you know, how many people still maintain their viewership. Because like me, I'm the annoying, optimistic fuck that will sit there and watch shit unfold. I get mad. Yes, don't get me wrong. I was not happy with the result. I didn't care so much for Sasha losing to Becky. But I do find it kind of uh, annoying when, like I said, you build someone for two months, almost three, and they end up losing a match, and it makes them look weak. It makes Bray look extremely weak. What message were you trying to send fans? I don't know. The fact that you, this would be like if an opponent would go up against um, Cena or Hogan back in the day, right? And obviously times have changed because some fans really were getting sick of Hogan, you know, winning a match every time in the same fashion where he points and says he cups the hand of the ear and he does the iconic U and then big boot to the face, off the ropes, leg drop, one, two, three. Uh, very similar pattern, you know, with the curve stuff. No, I mean, fans have cheered Seth, but it's it's very, it's very much so that you turn your attention to something else. You want like the new shiny toy that Bray Wyatt is. I get that aspect, but at the same time, it would have been nice if the title would have changed hands and people would still talk about it. In my opinion, they would still have said, "Man, alive, this is great, Bray Wyatt's champion." I can't believe they actually you know, went with their gut instinct and finally took a chance. WWE has taken a chance. It's just, I don't know what the fuck you play conservative. Why would you run the ball on the eight-yard line instead of drop back for a pass? Unless you have a really good running back. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of question marks that go into that issue, but I'm going to dive right into AEW uh, being on TNT and TBS. To me, I've said it before, they remind me a little bit of the WCW feel. And it's good because you need professional wrestling to actually stick out like a sore thumb on TV because at the rate that certain, you know, certain people are going, AEW needed to happen because some of the best work comes out from competition. And if you don't believe me, look at 
WWE back in the day from 1995 and then goes to Progressive 96 and from 96 to 97, you see an invariable fucking difference as, uh, you know, the company, you know, Vince comes out and he says, I'm going to be, will be changing the face of the World Wrestling Federation, blah, blah, blah. We will now be displaying a show, a new kind of attitude. And thus for, you know, blah, 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 Attitude Era was born. I'm not saying the Attitude Era will happen ever again, but it's nice to see both companies competing. That's all I can say. And I do like MJF. I think he's so funny. Not funny, but he can back up what he says. I, um, Sammy Guevara, I do tend to agree with Danny Cage on the ring gear. Holy, holy snap. Uh, You know, it's like, um, Good kid. He's skinny build, but he has got some really good skill. Uh, Jack Hager, holy tall. Batman, the big man is here again. Chris Jericho, phenomenal as always. Um, Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes. Oh my God. You two are doing a pretty good job, in my opinion. I, I just want to point that out. Oh, and as far as my weekend went, folks, I went to Wrestling Revolver. Jessica Havoc, you always do an amazing job. You always do. Um, the fact that uh, in Phil we trust or whatever, um, I really, I really want to say I did not expect Ace Romero to interfere the way he did. It's kind of a uh, kind of disturbing. But Ace Romero versus Lance Hoyt in a uh, Goliath versus Goliath match. Jesus Christ! I thought the ring was going to break from that superplex. I was wrong. And um, Rich Swan and his tag team partner obviously were the best match. Love you guys to death. So that was a little tidbit. You know, I'm sorry. I had to take a break in between AEW discussion and WWE. You know me, folks. I get sidetracked. Let me point out some things here while I have you on the horn with me. So, yes. I shall take a look here. Exit out of that. Yay! I have 13 minutes left. Holy fucking Christ. Okay, so that gives me time to lay down a spiel on AEW. I think that, you know, Riho and Nyla Rose are going to be a great feud. Also, but we haven't even touched base with Britt Baker and Taya and all of AEW's female, you know, athletes. They're obviously going to be giving us a show. Jazz is on that roster. You forget... Uh, awesome Kong. These are some matches that I have been dying to see. And by dying to see, I mean, I'm probably going to get to see them because AEW has the habit of doing this thing called giving the fans what they want. And also, <laughs> like, let's just face it, tonight on Raw, Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman, good lord, six foot nine, means he's almost up there in the ranks with Braun Strowman. I didn't see Strowman get upset until uh, the words were uttered, you haven't won a championship. That means they give this hook, like, and sinker, nice work, ladies and gentlemen, or was it? I don't know. So when in doubt, just pull a random celebrity out of your ass and decide, hey, let's bring it back to the mid-90s, you know, like Tyson and Stone Cold going at it. I mean, that was just an awesome fucking moment between those two, and I just 
I'll never forget it back in the day, you know, when wrestling, you had to pay 50 bucks for pay-per-view, so that's what AEW's doing. That's smart, because you know how many people are going to pay $50 out of their own pocket to download a pay-per-view? And I can multiply the numbers and see how much the viewership was, too, you know, because now we have phones, now we have tablets. So is there a way you can catch the AEW action? I am telling you right now, going with the Bleacher Report app. Is you sign in, you know, and tab under, there should be AEW right there. Click under $50 and pay right now, November 4th. Their pay-per-view is coming up soon, folks. So I just want to point out, if you haven't already done so, you need to. Uh, you need to check out both the WWE Network and also the Bleacher Report app. Both apps, you know, you can download WWE Network, you can stream live on Facebook, AEW, you can stream live on Facebook, and also the Bleacher Report app. I don't know if AEW will come up with an application. They probably will. They probably will. But for now, you can go on the AEW website and register for tickets. So, you know, they have a link on Twitter, they have a link on Facebook, and also their own Instagram. So, check them out, check them out, check them out, check them out. Now, Angel Fishes, on to my tirade, I mean, my observation about Hell in a Cell and the main event. But before the main event, since some of you want me to touch base on a few of the matches, I think, what were the best matches? Okay, Becky versus Sasha, Charlotte versus Bailey. I'm not going to say, yeah, the Kabuki Warriors and them versus Asuka and Kyrie Sane versus Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss. Love the match, told the story, great way to end it, you know, bada boom. Now, okay, without any further distractions, Alexa Bliss, no, moment of bliss, sorry, I get distracted, (sighs) almost had it, let's try this again, shall I? The main event featured The Fiend, a.k.a. Ray Wyatt, versus Seth Rollins, who looked like he was out of his comfort zone in the match. Very good way to tell the story. By flashing a red light on the ring, because it was getting more like the emotion of The Fiend in hell. A lot of my friends made that association, um, as did Danny Cage, because he's right. The Fiend is from hell, so... Why not flash a red light to grasp the emotion of the match? Now, not just the end result, but it's the, it's the matter of principle. When you build up someone, it's like if you, you tease a concert, you know, someone, oh, you know, so-and-so is coming to town, and we have um, we have this opening act, that opening act, and this opening act. Does anybody care about the opening act? Some do, because sometimes the opening act could be a new song on the radio that you really want to hear. Other times it's just, oh, geez, what the fuck? Oh, geez, what the fuck was on my mind because it's like, well, you build a Bray Wyatt, and it's just like the analogy with the Royal Rumble earlier. If someone wins the Royal Rumble and there's no payoff at WrestleMania, are they gearing up to do a story to follow it? Just like the whole thing with Charlotte Oscar. I wasn't so pissed about the fucking result because I knew Oscar would have to lose eventually, but we all know that streaks go to die in New Orleans. 
Sometimes. Not always. But anyways, it's like that type of feeling where you, as a fan, as a wrestling fan, you're sitting in your seat at home eating a mozzarella stick like I was, or you're eating whatever, or you're looking at your new t-shirt and taking pictures for your Instagram. The point is, you're sitting there watching this unfold, and all this crazy shit goes down, and all I could think of was, this kind of reminds me of the Montreal screw job, in a sense that he wasn't screwed, or was he? Because he just he just shook his hands and was like, Oh yeah, I'm just I don't care, I make money Or he was like, Okay, what do you want me to do? I just work here type thing. I loved it. But it kinda makes you upset because it's like, man, somebody finally different a new look to the company instead of the same, you know, face that we've seen over the years rotating in and out since WrestleMania thirty one. It's not that Seth does not have It's not that he doesn't have ability. It's the fact that fans get sick of the same old flavor of ice cream. Some of us do. The only ones that I think that were happy with that result was probably a bunch of diehard Seth Rollins fans, and there's nothing wrong with that, except for the <clears throat> except for the fact that your competition was probably laughing their heads off going, okay, yeah, we see what you're doing, WWE. We see what you're doing. They don't fucking, I mean, some of them are like, why care? We're going to obliterate them in ratings, some of you are saying. I mean, okay, how many times must we subject ourselves to a show and then say, I can't believe this happened, I'm never watching WWE again, yet you guys are the ones tuning in to Monday Night Raw because of certain people that were there in the arena tonight. You know, Tyson Fury, I'm going to ask you this. Why the celebrities? Because you don't have Rousey, so you need intrigue, so you grab Tyson Fury. When you have plenty of capable dudes going, you know, after people, and especially another celebrity move, Kane Velasquez, is a huge boost, I guess, I don't know, for WWE and production-wise or whatever, how many people actually tuned into the fucking show, I don't know. All I know is that I have five minutes left to explain how what I felt about The Fiend and, and Seth Rollins. Good pace in the match, you know, a lot of back and forth. is a very odd way to end the match, and, you know, he won by DQ. It's just, there were so many things to me that said this match gave us emotion but it was lacking in the result the fans many fans wanted and they're like man Seth basically had us all you know pull you know pull that string pull that string where well, he pulled it and some of us were sitting there going holy fuck he actually beat the fuck out of him and then you look at his mask you look at the layers uh, alright cool He's got layers, and he gave the mandible claw to Seth Rollins, something he'd been doing on Monday Night Raw several times. You know, he did it to him a couple weeks ago after, you know, he did it to him after his match at the last WWE pay-per-view. 
beginning to think, you know, okay, so he, this guy can go through absolute hell and he can survive. So the takeaway I got from this was he may have lost, but he's still kicking. He's still, he's still a part of a show. He started the main event. Like then the other half of me says, but if he won the title, we'd still be chatting about it. We'd still be, you know, in the same, in just my opinion. And I don't know if others share the same opinion as I about The Fiend. But I think that it's great to have a gimmick that defies, the, you know, the norms. That makes other people, other oddities, other people that are weird, other people that hurt kind of, you know, well, mysterious in front of their circle of friends. It's like he is identifiable with a lot of social angst. You know, people that have social anxiety, they love, and I'm not saying people with social anxiety, that's fucking wrong. People that feel they that they don't quite fit in, we're kind of looking up, you know, looking forward to him winning a championship because he's relatable. In other words, he's a relatable character, in my opinion. Seth, you know, he's he's cheered, but he's also booed. That's you know kind of fickle, if you ask me. To steal anything from you, Daniel Bryan, but the match, you know, had a lot of crazy shit. You know, like okay, sat him in a chair, DDT, and. By DDT, I mean Seth performed the DDT several curb stomps onto a chair, and the guy still sat up like Dracula. So there's a lot of question marks again that go into why Bray Wyatt or the Fiend did not come out as champion. Are they saving this for later? Are they saving it for Mania? That's too long, and so in my opinion, if they gave us something to talk about, yes. But it, it, they could have also given us something to talk about, be happy about, as long as The Fiend would have won. What happened to the phrase, give the fans what they want? So we got Bray Wyatt. The only problem is, we didn't get a championship from, you know, Bray Wyatt didn't covet that championship and win. So there's a fucking problem. You know, you, you, you build someone up for a month and a half, two months, and then decide to do a last-minute change. Like, we're, I'm starting to wonder... Like, is there a pattern here? Because you didn't do that to Sean or Brett or the other big-name superstars back in the day when they were on a tear and they were something new that fans had not fucking seen. So, you know, to cap off this little tirade, I'm going to say it, man. you got to give the fans what we want, not just whenever you feel like it because then you're going to lose us. Some of us. I'll still watch the shit, but I mean, you know what? If you build someone up to be, you know, losing, that's fine. Whatever. I mean, Bray Wyatt just shrugged his shoulders on social media, on Twitter with a gif. Does that not fucking tell you what the fuck's going on? I just, I'm curious, like how, you know, where, where is this going? I'm just, I want to know why the results were not, you know, satisfying. It felt like a match that just felt so, it's just, I just can't discuss this further because I know I'll go into a big fucking tirade more than this one. But I am going to tell you what I feel just tidbits right now. 
you pay, we fans pay $9.99 to see a good show. Did we see a good show? Half and half, I guess you could say. And half and half's not going to cut it, you know, when you got AEW, a new up-and-comer who, you know, is probably, like I said, probably laughing at the fact that that result happened because now you put a lot of pressure on yourself to do damage control. A lot of people were chanting the competition's name, AEW, and they were also saying, we want refunds. That's on, you know, whatever. It's not just whatever. It's it's serious right now. And if you guys don't think that people are not going to pay attention and just sweep it under the rug as if nothing happened, you're fucking delusional. Just pointing that out there. Okay? So, if you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, well, I've got, you know, a few more words to say before this. AEW on TNT and, and TBS, and you say WCW 2.0 in the sense that it's different, but it still reminds me a lot of WCW, the feel, the atmosphere, you know, where they're headed, you know, they're running two shows a week. It's going to be fucking interesting, but if, I'm just going to continue this conversation on Tuesday. I love you all so much. The new times, 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 p.m. Central. Off the Rails Uncensored has moved to its new date on Thursdays at 11.30 p.m. Or earlier, depending on the feel, the vibe, the mood. All right, folks. That'll do her for Monday's edition of Wrestle Radio Network. If you didn't like what good old Brian Rails had to say, then I got three choice words for years. Forget about it. Have a good night. Go Yanks. Go Raiders. Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the rest. Love my silver and black to the day I die. So, yeah. What's up? Just win, baby. Dig it.